Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magram. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the guy in the morning brown beanie with a head full of anti Donna memories. And you know that gives me the horn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, Scott was there, too. Uh, so anyway, all the regular stuff, i.e. ratings and reviews, Patreon, shop, I'll start streaming again at some point. And if any of you are wondering, the current button leader is, drumroll, <laughs> drumroll, please. Pine. Yay! It is a close match, but uh, currently Pine is edging. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, is he now? No wonder he's ahead. <laughs> he might be old, but he still got it. Yeah, yeah. Pine I think he's edging is, us all. Yes, he's edging out a lead over the rest of the competition. Hi. <laughs> Anyway, if you ever visited a topless giant in pink pants after battling baddies with your buzzsaw yo-yo, then this podcast <laughs> is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode 12. What in the world is that in reference to? Legend of the Mystical Ninja? Ness? No. Buzzsaw Yo-Yo. A Buzzsaw Yo-Yo. Huh. I can even kind of remember the song. Wait, wait, but but topless? Giant. <laughs> yes. You go into a room. We always thought that they were that they were genies because they had white beards. And they were thing cross-legged. Oh, Rygar. Rygar. Yes, Rygar. <laughs> Rygar. Man, that sounds super familiar. I got to look this up. It's a buzzsaw yo-yo, just a guy running around going boof, 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 as he spins out his yo-yo and knocks bad guys back. Oh, my god! It's one of those games that I could never beat the first level. Oh, no, I never played that one. The The cover art has him basically, like, doing, like, a, a parkour jump over some, like, squatty <laughs> little... Well, you know where you put the hand down and you jump over them, like, it's like on, on a low wall? Um, he's doing that over some squatty little goblin guy. Oh, yes. Uh, off his head, right? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yep. That squatty yeah. little goblin guy is the weirdest looking face. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to Via Severia. And we were in Baragrad last time. So we'll start there. When we were together last time, Guy as well as Calden were in the secret basement underneath Silvercrest Manor. After having just discovered some sort of shrine, as well as a cabinet full of clothing and boots, the entryway, the door through the safe, was shut behind them. As they then explored the rest of this area, they found a dungeon and torture chamber. I thought you were going to say a dungeon and dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been fitting because this is uh, this is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh my gosh! <sighs> anyway, they also found a chest full of like rings and jewelry, as well as some skulls. 
there was a an altar as well with a skull and then seven red rubies cut in the shape of teardrops surrounding it. After Kelden grabbed those teardrops, Guy and Kelden managed to get their way out of the basement through a hatch that had overgrown with roots and grass. And they went and they got help from the rest of the crew, Magrum, Sylvie, and Ornan. You guys went and woke up Tobias and also got the help of the constables here in town. Um, Good guys with sticks. Old Bill, uh, as well as Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, the other three <laughs> constables. <laughs> and their brothers. And they're all brothers, yes. After going back down into the basement and exploring the rest of it, you went also into Silvercrest Manor, finding that one of the doors was left uh, swinging in the breeze on this rainy night. After investigating all throughout the manor, you found all of the servants lying in their beds dead. You also searched through the rest of the house, finding some um, books in Calvin's room that were ledgers and uh, bookkeeping things that he had been going through. Um, but after all of this went down, Calden informed you that he wanted to just burn the whole place to the ground. And you all started your journey heading east before sunrise uh, with Ryla as well as... Gideon's wagon. <laughs> you guys don't know that. But you had Ryla, you had Tobias and Gardenia with their wagon full of goods. You also had another wagon with... Um, uh, a, a man and a woman and a small child and an older lady. And let's not forget you had Calvin and Delar, the 10 or 11 year old elf boy that you um, found being protected by the missing acolyte of Aona. And last time we were together, you had traveled for three days uh, on your way to Redlam when you approached a ruin. And as you approached the ruin, you started hearing noises from the north and from the south. And the last thing that happened was we were about to roll initiative. We have three wagons. One wagon has Calden and... Um, oh, wait, Matt, didn't you say you'd, you would have repositioned? No, I was just saying that, like, it's fine we're on the wagon together. I'm just saying that, like, we're not a couple. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Yet... <laughs> I think things ended weird with his mom. I don't know. You know, right. it's like, could you ever date somebody with the same name as your mom or your dad? Uh, my mom is married to a man named Terry Lee, and her father's name is Terry Lee. Whoa. So some people can. It's weird. Yeah, I don't think I could. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, well... On that note, let me explain kind of where everything is in relationship to each other. Uh, the road uh, heads from west to east, and we have three wagons along this road. Two of them have pulled to the south of the road, and another one has pulled to the north next to this ruin. This ruin is not very large. It's probably 40 feet by 40 feet. Um, there, it's, it's built up off the ground. So you actually access it by a staircase, and there are some walls up there. It's like the foundation um, is like eight feet thick. And then there are still some walls up above. Uh, some of them have kind of fallen down, so you can see some things, but other things are all blocked. And the wagon with our heroes, as well as Calden and Dilar, has pulled off to the north next to that ruin. And then the wagons with Tobias and Gardenia, as well as the wagon with Ryla and these civilians, those both have pulled down to the south. So, Paul, remind me, just we had pulled in specifically to, like, set up camp here or something. So, like, we're not at a position where we could just start running down the road, right? Correct. You guys had pulled off 
Um, I, I imagine you guys had started to like unhook um, horses and things like that. This was, this is a common stopping point for travelers. In fact, I don't remember who it was specifically, but somebody looked up on the foundation of the ruin as you were riding by and saw a backpack and a bedroll and what looked like an old fire pit um, left up there on top of this ruin. Looks like it was Sylvie by the rolls. Perfect. Sylvie spotted it. Okay. So what did everyone get for their initiative? He got a 10. Sylvie got a 20. Ornan got a 12. Malgrim got a 15. Very good. Okay. So at initiative 20, we have all of these civilians in Ryla's wagon. Um, They all hear the noise, the screeching and the roaring, uh, the sounds coming from the north and from the south. They look at each other and they all drop down and roll underneath the wagon uh, that they are on, attempting to hide from whatever is coming. Also at Initiative 20, we have Sylvie. Sylvie, you are um, to the north of the road uh, with this wagon with all of your friends as well as Calden and Dilar. You can hear roaring coming from the north and from the south. I'm going to have you make um, a perception check real quick uh, just to kind of determine a little bit more information. All right. That is a 15. 15. Okay, so uh, Sylvie, what you can tell is it sounds like, yes, the noises are coming from the north and from the south, but it also sounds like the noise, the roar coming from the south is coming from more southeast, and the roar coming from the north is coming from the northwest, and the roar that's coming from the southeast definitely sounds closer. Okay, I think I will head that direction then and kind of move towards the southeast. Okay. And kind of just prepare to take on whatever's there. But I won't move like much further past like the horses. I'll kind of stay, stay pretty close. Yeah, so you're kind of like on the road at this point. Um, did you want to prepare any kind of action or anything? I will prepare a spell if I see anybody suspicious come in to, uh, to vision. I will shoot them with my witch bolt. Okay. Well, why don't you get ready for that witch bolt? Because at initiative 18, racing down, flying just inches above the tops of the trees, you see this figure coming out of the woods. It is the size of a horse, but it's got all of this hair around its head. It has big sort of bat wings, and it has a snubby muzzle with sharp teeth. And it comes and lands about 20 feet from you, just off the road. You see, there's a scorpion tail as well. You see a manticore has flown out of the woods and is ready to attack your caravan. Sylvie, make your move as some spines are going to be shot from his tail. All right, that that is one ugly bro. <laughs> Sylvie rolled a 16 for the witch bolt. That will hit. And uh, five lightning damage. Five lightning damage. Very good. And then we have got some tail spikes come shooting off. um, And there are three of them. Who are they coming after? There's a lot of targets here. Okay. We have got Guy and Calden and Tobias. All right. Guy, does an eight hit you? No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Calden. Calden is going to get hit. Ooh, maximum damage. 11 damage to Calden. Oh, geez. And coming at Tobias. 
Uh, there is a 20, a dirty 20 to hit him, and that will hit. And that is going to deal, oh my gosh, 10 damage, and Tobias drops. Jeez. No, that's burned of our employers. I know. Out our money. So, so <laughs> I, I am not going to have him die outright. He will make death saves. All right. That is this Manticore's turn. Which brings us now to Tobias, who now has to make a death saving throw. That is going to be, ooh, a four. Oh, that no. is one oh, in the negative. Oh, no. All right, he, Toby. Good to know you. Quick, Magrum, save the money. <laughs> All right, Magrum, it is your turn. If there's one thing I will do, it is ensure that we get paid. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. For my action, I am going to kind of pull out my little hand crossbow and I'm going to shoot a hyperalgesian toxin into this manticore. And what this does is for the next round until it gets to the end of my next turn, any attack against this creature, the creature will have vulnerability to all of the attack damage that it receives. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. So he launches this hyperalgesian dart at this creature and then he yells out focus your attacks on it it will be uh it'll be weak to the damage and then he's also going to reload that and fire a another small dart an adrenaline and numbing agent dart with some analgesic mixed into it and this is going to go to tobias okay and it's going to heal him because he had dropped it will heal him for max healing which should be eight points of healing Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Just like that, he is almost back to full. But he is lying there on the wagon as his eyes flutter back open. And he has missed his turn. Oh, that's great. So this uh, this guy is now vulnerable. I've been trying so hard to come up with a joke about a very high-energy North African running up and punching the manticore because it's a hyper-Algerian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Algesian. Oh, like, oh my gosh. Oh, where's Algesia? So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh it, it comes from like an analg- analgesic, which would prevent pain. A hyperalgesian amplifies pain. Okay. So this toxic dart makes all that all that this manticore will experience much worse. Awesome. Oh, very cool. Well, that is now going to bring us to Calden. Calden is going to, after taking that hit, he is going to. Uh, climb off the wagon and jump to the other side of the wagon on the far side from the manticore. So he's now kind of, everyone's attention is on the manticore. He's kind of behind everybody. I want you guys to make perception checks. Guy got a dirty 20. Hornan got a 16. Sylvie got a 4. And Malgram got a 7. All right. Ornan and Guy, um, you both see Calvin leap off the wagon behind you, and you catch just this tiniest glimpse as he kind of wiggles his fingers in the air of this glowing vestment appear over him for a second and then disappear. And he has just cast some sort of spell upon himself. Ornan, that brings us to you. All right. Ornan's going to hop off the wagon and run to the manticore. Okay. And I'm going to take an attack with my warhammer. Okay. Oh, no. That's only an 11 to hit. That will miss. Ah. I am going to try to take advantage of the vulnerability, and I'm going to spin the shaft, and I'm going to attack again. 
with a nat one for a six. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. And oh. that, um, that will be my turn. Yeah, that is your turn. Yikes. All right. Uh, Ornan, you, uh, you two big misses. Uh, you are swinging at a lion with wings and a scorpion tail the size of a horse. This is not what you'd expect to see every day out in the woods. All right, that brings us now to Ryla. Ryla is going to pull out a hand crossbow, and she's going to take three shots at the manticore. Hand crossbow is 30 feet. So she is shooting with disadvantage. She is going to climb off the wagon, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. She's still not within 30 feet, but she's closer now to this manticore. Um, as she leaps off the wagon, she says, Stay under the wagon. Keep yourself safe. Yeah, she's still 40 feet away. But she's going to take three attacks with disadvantage. 13, that's going to miss. 8, which is going to miss. 13, which is going to miss. So three shots from Ryla, three misses. And now we have the hero, Gardenia. Yes. Gardenia is on the wagon next to Tobias. And uh, she uh, turns to him and she says, just stay here. And she's going to leap off of the wagon and move 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Rushing up next to Ornan with her spear. And she's going to attempt one attack against the manticore. Let's see if she can hit. That is a 21. And yes, that will hit. She's going to deal. Oh, that's maximum damage. That is seven damage. 14 damage to the manticore. MVP. Woohoo. All right. I'm so bummed the manticore doesn't have an innate swimming speed because my trident of a command fish would have been so lit right now. <laughs> Your magic fishing rod? I was furiously Googling it. I feel like that would have really come in clutch. <laughs> uh, that is her turn, which now brings us to Gee. He is going to, with everybody surrounding the manticore, um, I'm going to stay up here on the wagon, but I have this ability that I haven't used yet. I'm going to send a charged arcane burst its way. Uh, my magic words are Ruptis. <laughs> and I cast it. Yeah, but why are you going to say it's so sexy like? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's just the way I talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a DC 14 con save. DC 14 con save. Let's see. That is going to be a uh, roll to 14. Okay. That's, uh, so that's 14 damage, half to seven. So 14 damage. Oh my gosh. Awesome. And it's very loud. Kaboom. Yes, exactly. Okay. That is your turn. That is my turn. Which now brings us to the other sound in the woods. That sound, like I told um, Sylvie, sounds further off. But what I will say is right on the edge of your vision, you can barely see the shape of a second manticore approaching your position. It is not close enough yet to attack, but... Next round, it very likely will be close enough to to join the hunt. That brings us now to Dilar. Dilar is going to look around, scared to death, 
and he's going to leap off the wagon and roll underneath the desk. Desks, what a great (laughs) classic place to hide. Way to go, Dilar. Hey, you know, (laughs) it's proven to be safe and effective, right? (laughs) Duck and cover. He rolls underneath the wagon, uh, putting his hands over his head. Uh, That will be the end of this first round, which now brings us back to the top of the round with our civilians who are all hiding underneath the wagon on the south side of the road. And Sylvie, you are up. You still have your witch bolt attached to this manticore who is still vulnerable to all damage. All right. Sylvie is going to shock him again for five damage. So doubled to 10. Nice. She is going to kind of step back up closer towards the north where that uh, second manticore is coming in from. Okay. That first manticore has taken quite a beating, but it is now its turn, and it is within melee range of Ornan and Gardenia, and that is who he is going to focus on. Ornan, do not let her fall. I'll do my best. (laughs) Protect her with your life. (laughs) We have got three attacks coming. Odds is Ornan. So we have one attack against Ornan, two attacks against Ornan, three attacks against Ornan. Oh, jeez. Good job. Thanks, Ornan, for protecting Gardenia. (laughs) All right. Let's see what happens. We have a nine, we have a seven, or we have an 18. The 18 will hit. Okay. So it is uh, bite, claw, claw. And so you are going to get hit by a claw attack, which is only four damage. Is it uh, slashing? Yes, it is. Is it magical slashing? No, it is not magical slashing. Then I take one damage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. What is this magic? And I want it. I I love it. (laughs) Well, seems like you can't touch me very well. That brings us now to Tobias. Tobias is going to follow suit with all the other civilians now that he is alive again. He rolls off the wagon and hides underneath um, his wagon that uh, Ryla was driving. Okay, Magrum, you're up. Ooh, okay. This uh, this manticore is no longer vulnerable to damage. Or is it the end of your next turn? Or is it the... It's supposed to be the end of this turn. Okay, okay, so you can still deal double damage then probably. I think so. But the question is, do I want to do that? Or is there something else that would make more sense? Oh, I'm going to grab one more dart out of my pack. And this is Hemextin Venom, which prevents blood clotting and is supposed to cause additional damage to people. So it's a DC 14 wisdom save. Don't ask why. It's wisdom. But that's what it is. That's a natural one. Ooh, beautiful. And if he... uh, is damaged, it's a d12 of damage off of this ability. So, eight damage. Eight damage. That is... I think that's it, yeah. Okay. Now it is Calvin's turn. Calvin is going to... um, He's going to hunker down um, next to the wagon and wait for whatever else might be coming. Ornan, it is your turn. You have this manticore in front of you. It is looking a little worse for wear. Right, I'm going to sure try. I'm going to hit him with the pick side, or at least attempt to. That's a 23 to hit. That'll hit. For, oh my gosh, I rolled a one. For six damage. Okay. Nice. And that will be my turn. This manticore is hurting. Rylet is going to be awesome when we're level five. Seriously. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. 
Rylet is going to step a little closer to this manticore, and she's going to take three more shots with the hand crossbow, no longer at disadvantage. And that is going to be 18, 17, and 18. Those are three hits. Ryla and Gardenia are the real MVPs today. Seriously. That is more than enough. Yes, that is more than enough to take out this manticore who um, roars in pain and then falls to the ground dead. After Ryla, it is MVP number two, Gardenia's turn. She is going to turn around at the roar of the other manticore and move up to stand next to Sylvie with her spear um, braced and ready for whatever might be coming. Guy, it is your turn. Okay, so Guy is going to yell out, because I realize I just did a great big huge magic spell with all these civilians present. I'm going to yell out and say, That was my only grenade. <laughs> Make a deception check. <laughs> I'll say with advantage, because, I mean, there's a lot going on. And they're, they're all hiding and can't see. Okay, uh, so with advantage, I got a 24 deception. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine like Mogram and Sylvie and Ornan are like, he didn't tell us he has grenades. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else are you going to do, Guy? Okay, so um, I didn't describe what the charged arcane burst looks like, but he's actually going to be preparing a just a normal arcane burst, and they kind of look the same. Basically, I know that it wasn't the best Marvel movie, but did you guys ever see The Eternals? Yes. Okay, so there's the guy, Kingo, who does, like, he shoots guns with his fingers, right? Yeah. But sometimes he does, like, a big charge, almost like Kamehameha. Mm. So um, what uh, what Guy is doing, he kind of, like, holds his hand out in front of him, and he's, like, gathering this energy in the palm of his hand, and his hand is shaking, and it's this blue, like, um, smoke that is coming together and solidifying into a ball about the size of a golf ball in his hand, and he's holding it there, and his hand is shaking, ready to launch it. Um, at whatever comes out from the north. So he's actually preparing an arcane burst for the creature coming from the north. Awesome. Well, it is now said creature's turn. From the northwest, flying in over the trees and landing on the top of the ruin, you see a second manticore. It lets out a roar and looks over to see its dead mate. And you see it snarl and hiss and its tail comes up whipping towards the party but first an arcane burst from Guy as well as an arcane burst blasting out from somebody else okay uh, I say Ruptis again Ruptis and I uh, only roll a 12 <laughs> to hit <though>. Ruptis mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh alright you only roll a 12 to hit that will miss but Somehow there's a second arcane burst that comes flying from somewhere around the wagon, and it does hit for 12 damage. And I'll say, hold tight, Dilar, we got this under control. All right. It is now Dilar's turn, who um, you just kind of hear him like, ah, ah, like screaming and um, and uh, I don't and want crying. him to light the wagon on fire. <laughs> Um, he is going to stay put underneath the wagon and back up to the top of the initiative with initiative 20. We have the other uh, four civilians. They are staying put underneath their wagon as well. Sylvie, it is your turn. There is a manticore on top of the ruins. Um, oh, wait, he didn't do his attacks. I forgot. He's got attacks to do. I jumped ahead. He was just hanging out. 
Yeah, exactly. With his tail whipping towards the party. Uh, we are going to say um, there are basically six targets to choose from. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven targets. Here we go. I'm so glad that you're not including um, Clara and Mirabelle in there. <laughs> we have got two shots coming towards um, Ryla and one shot coming towards Gee. All right. Gee will do you first. A 22. That will hit for seven damage. Okay. Ryla has two coming her way, and both of those will hit, and she is going to take um, 11 damage. Ooh. She's still up? You watch Ryla drop. Jeez. Two large spines, one sticking in one shoulder, the other one like in her hip, and she falls to the ground unconscious. Magnum, she's also paying us. <laughs> what is happening to our money? We really need to stop getting our employers killed. It's kind of like our one job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Um, it, that now brings us to Sylvie. Sylvie, what are you going to do? Uh, Sylvie is going to step up north towards that manticore and then cast Witch's Bolt again. Okay. And uh, I'm going to do it at the second level. And that is a... 18 to hit. That will hit. For 20 damage. Holy cow. Nice. There we go. All right. Very good. Oh, wait, look at that convenient lightning. (laughs) That that is somehow connected to Sylvie. (laughs) Don't worry about it. She was scuffing her her feet on the carpet. Uh, Don't you remember? Static electricity. It's her thing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're skipping past. That was shocking grasp actually oh yeah sorry <laughs> sorry and it was so smooth <laughs> we are skipping past tobias who is still hiding underneath the wagon and moving right on to magram magram it's your turn there is this manticore just a little to the west of you up on top of these ruins roaring and hissing with a tail lashing back and forth where is ryla ryla is just like 10 feet away from you right on the road just like 10 feet south of you cool what i'm gonna do then is I'm going to run up to her, the 10 feet, and I'm going to kind of rummage through my pack and pull out a bandage kit and use this to kind of quickly get her back on her feet and using my great skills at bringing people back from when they are basically dead, uh, this will give max healing and it'll be 12 points for her. Oh, wow. And just like that, she is back to full. Okay, uh, that's that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right, it is now Calden's turn. Um, let's see. Suddenly you see another arcane blast come firing off from behind the wagon. Um, and it is going to be... Uh, that is only a 13 to hit. It goes wide. Okay, Ornan, it is your turn. All right. I am going to attempt to... I can't see a way to get up. There is a staircase right here. Oh, is that a staircase? Yeah, yeah. Okay. My angle is blocking the view of that. So I will I will use uh, my full 60 feet of movement, so action and movement to get up to right next to him and uh, just trying to make myself intimidating and um, hopefully be the target of the next attacks. Okay. 
It is now Ryla's turn. Ryla is lying on the ground next to Magram. Um, she's going to use half her movement to stand up and then the other 15 feet she has to run and dive underneath the wagon with Dilar, um, realizing that she might be in over her head right now, seeing you guys uh, dealing out the damage that you are. Um, that brings us to Gardenia, the guard who cannot die. <laughs> she's so awesome. Literally wish she would join our group. I, yeah, I should have been flirting with her, not Ryla. Gardenia is going to go and stand up on the staircase behind Ornan, and she's actually going to try to throw her spear at this uh, manticore. Uh, that's only going to be a uh, 12 to hit. That's going to miss, and then with her item interaction, she draws a short sword from her waist. Gi, it is your turn. Okay. Is this stairs here, or is that just I can see through a hole in the wall? That's just you can see through a hole in the wall. This, the only staircase is, that you guys can access is where Ornan is standing. All right, so I'll just stay here at this angle. I have a pretty good angle to, to, to see the manticore. I'll just shout, Ruptis again, and another arcane burst. That's a dirty 20 to hit. That is a hit. All right, and the damage is eight. Eight damage. Eight force damage. Eight force damage. Fantastic. All right, as that is your turn, then it is now the manticore's turn. The manticore is going to take three attacks at Ornan, who is standing in front of him, with a bite and two claw attacks. The bite attack. That is a critical hit. Oh, no. A natural 20. It's a good thing I didn't use my spectral redirect yet. What? (laughs) You're (laughs) You're going to kill Gardenia? No, not Okay, and then with the claw attacks, one of the claw attacks is also a critical hit. Oh, oh my gosh. There's a critical bite and a critical claw. So I'm going to redirect his... Does it say it has to... Let me... me, When you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you is hit by an attack, you can use your redirect to invoke the rune and choose a different creature within 30 feet of you other than the attacker. Oh, shoot. Okay, well... Hmm. Looks like looks like Dealer's within thirty feet of you. <laughs> <laughs> so Sylvie, so Sylvie. I was gonna say there's horses within thirty feet of you too. Nope, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. Okay, the bite attack is going to be fifteen damage. Ooh, magical. Uh, no. And the claw attack is going to be eleven damage, non-magical. So eight. And that is the Manticore's turn, except for he is going to fly away. So you can have an attack of opportunity as he flies to the north and lands in a little clearing between the trees directly north of Guy and Calden. There won't be any dining and dashing here. But specifically still within 30 feet of Sylvie. Oh yeah, it is still within 30 feet of Sylvie. (sighs) I rolled my attack of opportunity and got a nine to hit. Okay. And Gardenia wasn't close enough to get the next attack of opportunity. Gardenia does not have reach now. Yeah, she was not close enough. That is now Dilar's turn. Dilar now is hiding underneath the wagon, and he can see this lion manticore massive creature landing down in the grass just north of him. He is going to crawl out from underneath the wagon on the far side. That is 10 feet of movement. Uh, 15, 20, 25, 30. He's going to run across the road and dive underneath the wagon with Tobias. And I'm going to make a check. It's a good thing we set the brakes on these wagons when we parked them, huh? I was going to say, I feel like you're supposed to stay put, but all right. 
There's a there's a manticore just like 15 feet from him. Uh, let me do this. Who would like to roll a D100 for me? Oh shoot, is it Wild Magic Surge? That would be an 87. A fireball centered on him. Nope, that's I I I was playing around with this earlier, and that's like down in like seven and eight. 87. Featherbeard. Featherbeard. It's not Featherbeard. That would be great, though. Um, all of a sudden, Sylvie, your feet start to lift off the ground. Oh, boy. You now can fly. Ha-ha. That brings us now back to the top of the round. We have civilians hiding underneath their wagon. And Sylvie, flying Sylvie. You are not currently, like, way up in the air, but you are um, you are definitely floating. Cool. Awesome. I will just... Yeah, I will just continue my witch's bolt for uh, one damage. Okay. It all counts. It yes, all it counts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to stay put. Yeah, I'm just going to hang out here. I'm fine. Are you going to fly or are you going to just kind of like stay near the ground? I I don't think I need to fly right now. Okay. I don't okay. think this seems like a good call. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Superhero Sylvie. I don't think I need to take this up to the aerial battle. <laughs> Now, now it would truly be Super Saiyan style, like Dragon Ball Z, if you flew up into the sky to continue shooting your witch bolt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> your Kamehameha. That brings us now to Tobias. Anyone who's kind of close enough can hear Tobias calling to Dilar, saying, "Just stay put, keep your head down." And then it is Mogram's turn. Cool. So Mogram is going to rush towards the north. He's going to clamber back up onto the wagon go past Ryla and over next to Guy, and he, while he's doing that, he is pulling out of a, almost like from a bandolier, he pulls this case and slaps it down into his crossbow, his little hand crossbow, and pull the trigger, and it's going to pump out a bunch of these, like, irradiated crossbow darts at this thing. I got a roll to hit a 19 to hit and 12 damage as four of these darts in rapid succession just kind of go boom, 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 boom into this thing. Nice. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, he takes that He takes that damage. He is still standing. And let's see. I'm going to see what Calvin is going to do. It is his turn next. Calvin is going to duck underneath the wagon um, and hide as the manticore was within about 10 feet of him. He is going to try to get away from the manticore. Ornan, it is your turn. You are now up on top of the ruin. It's about eight feet to drop back down if you don't want to use the stairs, but that manticore is now northeast of you in a kind of a clearing of grass. Okay. Ornan is going to run 20 feet up to this top corner. Okay. Am I, with that, can I jump this remaining 10 down to the ground below? Um, I mean, what's your strength? My strength is 17. Yeah, you can jump right right up next to him. I think you okay. did twenty feet. What's your max? What's your maximum feet though? Is it twenty five? Uh, no, I've got 30, 30 feet of movement. So oh, I would you just, do. So okay. I would probably. I'm assuming I would take some damage jumping down. Um, you know what? It's less than ten feet. Um, yeah, I guess you. Well, it's, it's eight feet. I yeah yeah. There there, there will be a d six of damage. Here's what I want to do. I want to jump and slam the war pick down on him as I'm coming down. Okay. Very good. Well, I'm going to attempt. You want me to bring the hammer down? Honestly, that's pretty cool. Yes, but you are going to take five damage, uh, bludgeoning damage from the fall. Cool. Is it magical? No. 
So I got a seven to hit. Okay, so you're gonna miss. But I'm right you're next mo- to him. <laughs> you, uh, your your move, you actually dealt more damage to yourself than to the Manticore, but you are right next to him. This is true. Hey, stay over here. Stay next to me. <laughs> All right. It is now Ryla's turn. Ryla is underneath the wagon next to Calden, a kind of uh, the same wagon that Guy and Mogram are standing on. Sylvie's kind of floating next to it. Um, she is going to pop up uh, on the opposite side of the wagon from the Manticore, but she's going to turn and take three shots with her hand crossbow, all with disadvantage due to the distance. And we are going to have, that's going to miss with a seven. Uh, we are going to have a 17, which is going to hit. And then we have a 16 is also going to hit. So she's got two hits. And that is going to be a total of 11 damage. All right. And then she is going to duck back underneath the wagon uh, to uh, stay out of sight again. And that brings us now to Gardenia. Gardenia sees what Ornan did. And let's see. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. She is also going to leap off this ruin, and she is going to take four damage from the fall. That's a huge percentage of her hit points, though. It is a huge percentage. She's like, but she, did she oh, at least actually hit something? I don't know yet. She hasn't, she hasn't tried to make her attack, but she tries to hit with her sword, her short sword as well. Totally rolls her ankle, but let's see. Let's see if she can hit. No, she rolled a natural five. Oh, no. Oh, Okay. All right, that brings us now to Guy. Guy, you are standing on this wagon. You're about 15 or 20 feet from the Manticore, who is just north of you. Um, it looks like it is in rough shape, but it is still fighting on. All right, Guy slams his visor on his uh, on his helmet down, and as he moves north toward the Manticore, draws his sword, and he's going to go ahead and do a an impaling shadow with his attack. So he will strike out with his bastard sword which is an 18 to hit. That will hit. All right, so that does, ooh, max damage, 12 uh, slashing damage. And as again, you see that other kind of ghostly smoky arm come out and pierce it through with a rapier, which stays in the corpse. Sorry, stays in the body. (laughs) It does stay in the corpse. As you strike it, um, this ghostly rapier sticks out of the manticore and the manticore falls to the ground dead. Nice. And we are going to cue victory music. So then what happens to that ghostly sword that's sticking out of this manticore if that manticore can never move again? So the ghostly sword goes away after six seconds. It kind of starts, it starts to fade over that six seconds, but after six seconds, it just completely is, is missed at that point. All right. Okay, the battle is done. Um, what are you guys going to do? I will let you guys make the first move as you guys have now defeated these manticores. Ooh, I'm a bit winded. Did a bit of running there. Yeah, you did. Is everyone alive? Mogram would actually go up to Ornan to try to, like, administer some uh, bandages and stuff to try to heal him up a little bit. Well, I appreciate that. Better to be on the safe side than not on the safe side. Sure, I made it down to less than half. Half of what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? So, so Mogram will heal him for 11 points using his basic bandage and medical kit. You know, Mogram, this is fantastic. Well, it's a, I've been using my abilities far more often than I thought I would. 
That's true. It's been an exciting couple of days. Yes, exciting is one way to put it. Sure. Um, after he's done with that, he's going to go up to the manticore and actually, because Mogram has heard that they have some interesting venom, he's going to try to see if he can't uh, extract some venom so he can use it for some of his different things that he uses. Yeah, um, you get, you start getting to work on the manticore. Um, I'm going to have you make a survival check or a medicine check, one of the two. Um, as you are doing that, we have Ryla climbing out from underneath the wagon. Keldon gets up. We have all those civilians in the back. We have the man and the woman, kind of the middle-aged man and woman. We have the young girl who's probably nine or ten. And then we have the elderly woman all climb out. They're kind of standing around wondering what to do. Tobias and Dilar climb out from underneath their wagon. What did you get for your medicine roll? So I, he must have been slightly distracted because he only rolled a two for an eight. Okay. Yeah, I, maybe you're like, I heard they have venom, but I don't know where it's at. Is it in the tail? Is it in the mouth? Where is it at? Um, and you don't manage to find any. He's meticulously squeezing the paws of the manticore, <laughs> and confused why nothing's happening. <laughs> you get distracted by squeezing the paws and the claws come out. And they go back in and come out and come back in. You know that, that, that one little claw that's like further up the leg? Ugh, like I hate that claw. Dog. You're just squeezing that one, yeah. Such majestic toe beans. <laughs> Why does that claw gross me out so much? Uh, while uh, he's doing that, Sylvie will kind of be, I think, up north with everybody, but definitely looking into the forest to kind of see if she can figure out where these things came from, okay. um, if anything else is out there, that kind of good stuff. Since she's the bloodhound of the group. Why don't you make a survival check? All right, that's a 14. 14? Um, so... Yeah where they came from you're not exactly sure where they came from if there's anything more around but what i will tell you is that these two manticores were uh you can tell that they were um if not a mating pair that they were um that they were definitely working together uh to hunt as a as a pack um and this is probably something that they have done a lot in the past is ambushing people along the road you also know with your 14 survival that if these two manticores were in the area the likelihood of other predators being in this area is incredibly slim so now that they are dead you you determine that this is probably going to be a relatively safe place to actually camp now that you've gotten rid of the predators in the area awesome i will share my thoughts and also say oh they they were in love. That's so sad. <laughs> but one thing I learned from Omzi is that if you get rid of the predators, then the rabbits start going crazy. Yes. Remember that? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you remember that from Omzi? It was like an 80s computer simulation type thing. The fox and the rabbits. Yeah, I think so. it's like this little like 8-bit rabbits or less than 8-bit rabbits. Ornan is going to cut out one of the teeth and put it in his pouch. Okay. So you relay that information, um, Sylvie, and Ryla's like, well, okay, I guess this, this will be as good a place as any then to camp. Actually, probably, probably better than others. Just a reminder, there was a campsite up on top of the ruin, and you saw a bag and a bedroll that were left there. Oh, yeah. As um, Ryla starts to get the camp organized, you guys actually decide to set up camp on the south side of the road, kind of where Tobias and Dilar are. So they start getting tents out and start digging a, a fire pit and that kind of thing. Um, and you have this old woman, these two middle-aged uh, man and woman, and the, then this, uh, this young girl who are helping out where they can. 
Um, the old woman kind of goes and sits on a log, you know, trying to kind of stay out of the way of everybody else. She seems very much, um, she's venerable. What do you guys want to do? Does anybody know if we can get money for these corpses? Maybe there was a bounty on them. Hunters looking for trophies. Because we have an empty wagon. I mean, we can, we can throw them in. The rest of us can walk. It's only two more days. They've got to be valuable at the very least. If you would stop performing amateur dentistry, barkeep. Oh, I, I just thought Kino might like one of these, and so I'm going to mail it to him when we get to when we get to the next city. Oh, that's sweet. Did you, uh, did you see a venom sack when you pulled the tooth out? Uh, let me see. I, I'm going to roll a survival. I got a 12 survival. Uh, let me let me let me go here. I, I got sprayed by something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could that have been it? It's all in my mouth. <laughs> it, it must be in the paw here somewhere. I'm sure of it. <laughs> um. So I'm looking at the stats for the Manticore, and this the Manticore does not does not deal poison damage at all. Um, it's piercing and slashing, and that's it. It has a scorpion tail that's just for stabbing. Yeah. It's got a scorpion tail that shoots spikes, which is better than poison. It's a decorative scorpion tail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Purely for aesthetic reasons. As you guys are talking, though, you're asking about, like, the, uh, the manticores, if there's, like, a bounty or something. The middle-aged man who's been traveling with you guys, he comes up and he's like, well, I, 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 think, uh, I think I could probably skin these. Uh, their, their pelt might be worth something, but we don't need to save all that extra weight of the meat. Is that something you'd like me to do? Yeah, and I don't think we're supposed to eat that meat either. No, I wouldn't eat it. Could you make me a cloak out of its wings? Ooh. Says, I, I tell you what, I'll, for saving my life, I will... Oh, yeah, um, you're welcome. What's your name? <laughs> I'll forget it, but what's your name? Just a second. I'm having a problem with my computer. Hold on for a second. <laughs> Beep boop, beep boop, fantasy name generator. My name is Tanner, the Tanner. <laughs> I was thinking Skinner. Oh, no. My name like... is Tanner Skinner. <laughs> Fletcher Tanner Skinner. Uh, he's like, you can call me... <laughs> Gosh, come on. <laughs> yes, I did go to fantasy name generator. Uh, he goes, you can call me Kenneth. You went to Fantasy Name Generator and you came up with Kenneth? <laughs> I, went to, I went to Fantasy Name Generator and I went to Edwardian Names and Kenneth popped up. Oh, okay. There was also Matthew and there was uh, and there was Duncan, but I already used Duncan and Matthew is literally it, playing. It, so. It's all right. It's all right. He's Kenneth. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, Kenneth. He's, oh. He's Brenneth. Oh, Brenneth. Okay. Brenneth. Yes. Well, I'll probably just call you Kenneth anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, we saved your life. So um, yeah, I mean, if you if you can skin them, that'd be great. And but I think that a cloak out of that would look, if nothing else, very intimidating. Well, I can get you the pelt, but I I'm I'm no tailor. But let me see that what I can. That would be my brother Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, um, so he gets to work on uh, the first manticore, starting to skin it as everyone else is getting camp ready. Can we go check that other, uh, the camp remains? Yeah, the ones up on the ruins? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, who's all going to go up there and check them out? Sylvie will, for sure. Gee is down here with Clara and, and Mirabelle, making sure that they're happy horses. Okay. Yeah, Mogram, frustrated that he hasn't found a venom sack yet, will <laughs> go ahead and leave the corpse of the manticore and go check out the camp. 
All right, along with Sylvie. Yeah. Ornan is setting camp and starting to cook some dinner for everyone. Oh, gotcha. Very good. Okay. Awesome. Okay, well, um, Magram and Sylvie, you head up on top of the ruins. You can see that there's like some walls that have fallen in. There's no more roof on this ruin, but you can see there's still archways where doors used to be. And as um, Sylvie and Magram, as you move through the ruins, you find the section of this ruin where somebody has been camping. There's a cold campfire up here. There is a backpack that is still all buttoned up. There's a bedroll that's still all rolled up and um, even um, some other gear like a like a water skin. The other thing that you notice is it looks like there's an old ladder that goes down um, uh, on the north side of this ruin. So there's the staircase that comes up from the south and then there's a ladder that somebody has put up that goes back down to the ground on the north edge of this ruin. I want you guys to um, do perception or investigation, whatever you guys want to do about this uh, campsite. Cool beans. All right. Sylvie rolled a 21 investigation. Okay. Wow. That's really good. Uh, Mogram got a 19 investigation. So here is what you guys find. Um, Mogram, you see, you're kind of looking through the bedroll um, and the bag. As you start looking in this bag, you um, you find just some clothing. You find some food. Um, you find that the, as you're looking at the clothing, it seems like it is cut for a, uh, a more slender frame, and you determine it's probably a woman's clothes. Um, you also find uh, what looks like a letter that has been penned and... Um, if you open it up and you start reading it, uh, it starts out, Dear John, and John is crossed out, and it says, Henry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Margaret, that's a federal crime. <laughs> I'm sorry I did not give you more closure as I left town, but things happened, and it was no longer safe for me to stay in Baragrad. No! No! I'm sorry, but I have to call off our engagement. I know you'll find somebody who will treat you better. I'll always love you. Signed, Serena. <gasps> I knew it, Serena. Oh, I'm so happy. Sylvie. Wait, wait, wait. We found her stuff. That's not good. Wait. Sylvie. Oh, no. As you... <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. Sylvie, as you are looking around this um, this campsite, it looks like it might have happened um, like a couple nights ago. Um, and it's because it's kind of been washed away with the rain that these bags, this bag and this bedroll have been here for at least one day. Um, and you spot little drops of blood and it looks like you can follow this trail of blood from this campsite. It goes towards that ladder on the north end of the ruin. As you uh, look down off the ladder and follow around the backside of the ruin, you actually can um, follow the blood trail around to the north side of the ruin and you come to a section of the ruin where there is this large stone door built into the foundation. The blood stops at the door. Hey guys, I, I think I found a dungeon. That is interesting. I've had my fill of those, thank you. Well, I, I think I think whoever was camping on the roof might be down here. There's a trail of blood that's leading this way. Uh, perhaps they are hurt or something. We should probably investigate. So nobody's telling us that it's Serena. Ornan is not up there. Ornan is cooking down by the fire and setting camp and stuff. I mean, I feel like if we, if I, if I deduce that it was Serena, I definitely would, uh, yeah, would let people know. Well, you didn't deduce that. That's what Magram deduced, and he hasn't said anything yet. 
yes, uh, Margram will definitely relay that and be like, I found a note. It appears that our friend Serena may have been one of the uh, individuals who had set this camp. And judging by the signs here, she could be in danger or hurt or perhaps something worse. Oh, we gotta go find her. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of blood. We should definitely uh, bust down this door. Uh, for our listeners, in case you've forgotten who Serena was, Serena was the guard in Grimley Castle with the bow who got paralyzed and then pushed off the balcony. <laughs> That's Serena, who then ran away as soon as Tobias turned his back. Who was also in like a horrible relationship <laughs> and she just needed to get out of with there. Henry, with Henry. Who was also going to be my backup character. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have now, it looks like uh, Magram and Sylvie and Guy are all uh, in on this conversation. Ornan's still getting food ready. So is anyone going to talk to Ornan and you guys are going to leave him behind? Hey, Ornan, get over here. Put somebody else in charge of cooking for a little bit. All right. Well, I, I, I've got some spices I'm throwing in. Just, just, is it urgent? I think so. Yeah. Well, hey, it's about our friend. Well, I've, I've got lots of friends. My friends are down here. You guys are up there. Our friends are all over. It's our friend Selena. Selena or Serena? Sabrina. Sabrina? Serena. <laughs> Selena. Don't you remember? I, I said do. we were going to call her Selena and not Serena. Yes, I remember. We were going to call her Sabrina or some, some name that started with an S. I'm coming. I'm coming. While Bar keeps on his way over, I just wanted to quickly, just to help flesh out the world a little bit, um, describe my horses on my cart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's Clara and there's Mirabelle, and they are both white with gray, like, uh, dapples. Uh, they're Percherons, so they're big, huge cart horses. And Guy has started calling uh, Clara Coco, and he started calling Mirabelle Mibbles. <laughs> Okay. The end. That's honestly just adorable. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you have all now convened on the north side of this ruin. On the you're you're down at the base at the foundation level, and you see that there is this like sturdy stone double door. It is closed, but it looks like it may have been opened uh, recently. It looks like it may have been pried open. You imagine there's a good chance you guys can get it open as well. I'll pull out my crowbar. Oh, oh, you got a crowbar? That should make things easier. Here, Ornan, use the crowbar. Of course, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> okay, why don't you make athletics check with advantage? You know, in all my D&D campaigns, I'm sure that there have been, like, countless crowbars in people's backpacks. And this is the first campaign I've actually had somebody use it, and they've used it <laughs> multiple times. I am trying to use all those things that we never really get a chance to do, like my proficiency in land vehicles and my crowbar and thieves can't actually working. <laughs> nice. Ornan got a 14 with advantage. I'm not rolling great tonight. Sorry, guys. Well, with the 14, I'd say that's enough because it looks like um, somebody has tried to shut it tight, but the whatever mechanism there is to actually lock it in place, uh, it looks like that has been damaged, and you are able to get it open. What you see is a staircase heading down into the dark. Here, Mr. Gee, you can have your crowbar back. That was mighty handy. Thank you. Do we have any sources of light we could put down there? It's awfully dark. Do you, oh, I, I forget that y'all can't see in the dark. <laughs> well, well, I can. I think it's just Mogram that sucks at that. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta invest in something to make him see better. There are torches. Somebody can hold a torch. There are torches around. I'll hold a torch. 
I suppose I could hold the torch since I seem to be the problem child here. <laughs> <laughs> if I held a torch, I'd, I wouldn't be able to fight. So it'll have to be one of you. Um, I, I will, I will hold this thing. And I'll grab another one, just so there's two torches. That's fine. Downward we go. All right. As um, as you guys venture down the stairs. Gardenia, and look after Mibbles and Coco. You got it. And, and the boy. Uh, oh, yes, the, and Dilar as well. Dilar. Yeah. There you go. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> Francifer, what were you doing back here behind the ruins? Uh, go go play with Dilar. I'll summon Francival. He probably would have been there the whole time, but we just didn't have him on the map. Yes, I'm sure he would have been there the whole time. Yeah, there were already like a billion tokens on this map. You send Francival off to spend some time with Dilar to keep him company, to keep him happy. Um, I'm not sure who all saw the wild magic surge, but Sylvie definitely felt it. And you knew, I'll say Sylvie knew exactly where it came from. You all start heading down this dark staircase into the basement beneath this roadside ruin. As you get deeper and deeper, you get, you go probably, you imagine like 25 or 30 feet underground. You get to the bottom of the staircase and it opens up into this 30 foot by 30 foot uh, stone room. There are four pillars in this room holding up the ceiling. There is in the center of this room, you can see it kind of glistening uh, in the light of the torches. You see a, a mosaic of a sunshine. It looks like it's a white background. And then there is a yellow sun with red light rays coming off of it. And you can see that it looks like there are three different doorways off of this room. There is a doorway to the west, a doorway to the east, and then a double doorway uh, to the south. On the south side of the room by this double door, to the east of the double door, you see that there's a statue. There's this statue. It looks like it's some sort of um, woman or child. It has kind of a, a soft features. Um, it, is, it is holding a tray. And as you look at it a little closer, you see it's actually some sort of like an angel. It has like wings on its back. But it's holding this tr empty tray out in front of it. And um, to the west of the doorway, you see hunched up behind the column uh, on that side of the room you see the arm of somebody Mogram's gonna head over there uh, Sylvie before Mogram gets there is kind of gonna like shout out quietly like Selena is, is that you? As you call out there is no answer Mogram you approach this figure and as you come around the column you see uh, you see Serena or Selena or Sabrina or whatever we're calling her um, you see Serena which is her actual name leaning up against the column she appears unconscious I want you to make a medicine check please Mogram Ooh okay please don't roll like crap Ooh a 20 non natural 20 nice uh, with your non-natural 20, I will just combine all of this that happens. You start looking at her and you can tell she has lost a lot of blood. Um, she appears to be breathing, but shallow, uh, shallow breathing. With your 20 medicine, though, you are able to patch up some of the wounds on her. She has some claw marks, a couple of bite marks. It looks like the manticores were attacking her. Um, you even find like a spine, one of the tail spines uh, stuck in her thigh. And you manage to extract that. Um, looks like she has escaped the manticores down here into this basement and she lost consciousness from loss of blood. She also appears to be dehydrated uh, from being down here, but you manage to 
stabilize her even more uh, to the point where she appears to be resting. That's where you're at at this point without having to spend any spell slots or anything. Cool. That's perfect. Uh, We'll need some help probably getting her out of here and perhaps warm her by the fire. She will need to rest. I would recommend that she perhaps accompany us on our journey moving forward. I agree. Let's let's get her taken care of, but I worry that uh, Tobias might recognize her. Uh, Quick, horribly disfigure her face. (laughs) I was just going to say, cut her hair. Honestly, honestly, if my experience with men in any amount of power has taught me anything, cut her hair and you will not recognize her. You know, perhaps there is something we could do. Mogram will actually take out a... He'll reach into his pack until he finds kind of a roll of bandages and he will actually wrap the top of her head and kind of her right eye and the right side of her face a little bit um, just to kind of half disguise her face a little bit. Okay, that's a that's a fantastic idea. Very cool. Um, yeah, you managed to get her um, uh, you know slightly disguised. Very good. Well, I'll help carry her out. But there's these other doors down here that I'm very interested in. I can carry her on my own. I'll be back in just a minute. Let me get her going. Yeah, you'll also need to check the soup while you're doing that. This is true. It might be boiling. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Ornan, you you, you carry Serena back up out of this dungeon uh, carefully and gently. Um, Magrim, you know that as long as she gets some rest, she will probably wake up within the next eight hours, and she should be able to make a full recovery. Very cool. As Ornan is gone, does anybody want to do anything down here while you wait for Ornan? I want to look at this statue, the angel statue holding the uh, holding the dish. Perfect. The angel statue, as you look at it, it looks old. Um, it looks like it's um, uh, it's it's like three quarters size um, of a person. Does that make sense? So it like comes up, the head comes up to your chest, um, and it's holding out this uh, this large tray, but the tray is flat. Okay, well, looking at the symbol on the floor being the sun, I'm just going to place my lit torch on that, on the dish. You place the lit torch on the dish. Nothing happens. Dang it. Well, I'm all out of ideas. Sylvie would kind of trying to investigate and see if there's any sort of, like, religious symbol or uh, historical something she can think about that would tell her whose temple this is or what this is doing down here. Perfect. Okay, so you can do one of two things. You can do a history check or you can do a religion check. Okay, let's do history then. And that is, ooh, uh, 25. 25. Um, as you are looking at this symbol with these colors and this combination, um, you don't recognize this as being any kind of religious symbol um, at all, actually. I mean, there are deities that use the sun as part of their symbology, but not in this way, right? Not th- not this color combination. And as you're looking at it, it kind of looks... Familiar is the wrong word, but like you've seen it somewhere before, and you get the impression that this is actually not a religious symbol. This looks to be some sort of like ancient heraldry for maybe some family. I would, I would sort of relay that um, and ask... Well, I guess Ornan's not around yet. Ornan comes walking back down the stairs. Unless Magram wants to do something first, too. Um, no, not necessarily. I think he might 
start kind of wandering around and maybe looking at the door. I don't think you would have opened it yet. Okay. Yeah, uh, Magram, you start looking at the door um, to the south. The door to the south is a double door. Um, it looks very well made. It's like it's uh, banded with iron. It's it's like a stone door with iron chasing on it, edges and things, and designs on it. You can see the the, the sun motif is repeated on the doors uh, in smaller scale, um, and uh, it looks like there is some sort of. You can kind of, like, with your torch, you're kind of looking at the door. You can see the light shine through the crack in the doors, between the doors. And you can see that there appears to be some kind of bar or something connecting the doors. You This door appears to be locked with some kind of intricate locking mechanism. Got it. I'll kind of yell that out to the group. I'm like, I, I get the feeling that this door is locked. Well, there are these other two doors on the sides, one on either side. Maybe there's some kind of mechanism that we can access from there. And down walks Ornan. Well, should we poke our heads in these doors? I'd sure feel better sleeping if I knew I was down here. Yeah, let's check it out. Perhaps we start here on the west side. All right, I'll open the door. Is that one unlocked? Ornan opens the door without a care in the world, and it opens. It actually opens up. You can see um, beyond, you can see that there is another room. This room appears to be like 25 feet by 25 feet. Uh, you can see it is, it's like the same, it's like the room you were just in, only on a slightly smaller scale. In the center of the room, there is another sun mosaic, but it's like, um, it's like a quarter of the size. And surrounding this room, there again are four, four columns, but surrounding this room on the west, wall on the north wall and on the east wall you see three statues also on the south wall there is another door heading south and you entered in through a door on that eastern wall but kind of down on the south side of the room is this some sort of temple i'm not familiar with this it, it appears to be more of a, a family area uh, of maybe a powerful family in the area previously Orden, do you know anything about the history of who used to live here? Well, let me make a roll. I feel like you would have advantage on that uh, <laughs> check because you're from the area. So, um, no advantage on this. <laughs> what did you get, Ornan? Ornan got a 10. Okay. Um, with your 10, you don't recognize this symbol at all. Nope. Don't know anything. I'm going to open this door. Well, as you... Well, before before you open that door, I was going to describe oh, a little bit more about. No, you're fine. You're fine. I was going to describe the statues a little bit more um, as you guys are looking around the room. The statue on the eastern wall uh, appears to be um, what looks like a young woman. She has a playful um, pose, right? Like almost like she's in the middle of dancing or something. And the statue to the north uh, is a, a woman, like uh, probably 30 or 40, standing tall, wearing what looks like an elegant gown. Um, she has some kind of a headpiece in her hair, uh, like a circlet or a crown of some kind. And the statue to the east um, appears to be another woman, but she is robed with a long cloak and she is holding a shield in front of her. And the statue... Um, is made out of stone, but the the shield that she is holding is actually made out of wood, and it looks like it is in good condition. The statue to the north looks to be holding some sort of a scepter, um, and that scepter is made out of uh, some kind of shiny gold or brass or bronze, and the statue on the western wall of the girl appears to be wearing a bracelet. Mogram is going to whip out his toning rod 
Whoa. Yeah. Hey <laughs> yeah. He's going to whip it out, wave it around, oh, and, uh, <laughs> and see if he can detect magic on anything in here. Okay. What you detect is that the bracelet on the statue of the young woman is magical. The scepter held in the um, hand of the woman on the north wall is magical, and that the shield being held by the older woman on the on the eastern wall is also magical. I'm going to tell that to the whole group, so as I walk kind of around, pointing the toning rod at the different statues, uh, Margram will say, the bracelet there has some sort of arcane energy or magical properties. The scepter, that shield, I don't want to be a, um, I guess... I don't want to take too much advantage of a situation, but might be worthwhile to take these things with us. I mean, I don't think we'd be robbing graves so far that I haven't seen any dead bodies or crypts or anything, so I think this is free game. Magram, as you are looking as well, you also detect magic coming off of the statues themselves, and the magic coming off of the statues themselves is transmutation. <laughs> I will. I will mention that, though. The statues themselves appear to have some sort of transmutation magic emanating from them. So if we were to take the objects, we should be careful. Oh, okay. So maybe not so fair game. But transmutation is just like changing one thing into another thing. For all we know, we you take the bracelet off and then the uh, the statue turns into a pud. There's <laughs> <laughs> always room for some Christmas pud. I ate a pud and I liked it. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's what you notice in this room. Um, yeah, the bracelet is, it looks like it's a silver bracelet. It's got little pearls on it. The scepter, it looks like it's gold. It has some rubies set in it, probably about two and a half feet long. The shield is just a round wooden shield, and in the center of the shield, there is that same sun motif. Well, seeing the, the statues here and uh, wondering if they're maybe depicting something specific in that repeating symbol, can I do a history check to see if I recognize it? I'm not from this barony, but I'm from a neighboring barony, and my family had some connections with other families. Yeah, go ahead. I got an 18. An 18 on your history. Here's what I'll say about your history check of 18. This appears to be, if not royal, definitely some sort of noble shrine. And um, you don't know necessarily who these people are, but as you are looking around the room, you get the impression that these statues might all represent the same person. Ah, this could be multiple generations, everybody, but it does look like maybe just the same person at different phases in their life. A whole room for one person? That, they must have been quite important. I mean, I've been the subject of some creative works of art in the past. People like to paint me tasteful nudes. <laughs> like your, like your, like your <laughs> French women? <laughs> tasteful nudes. Is that the, uh, the erotica you carry at your hip? <laughs> Margram turns quickly and is like no I don't carry it oh him yes no is that what you are carrying on your hip no, this this book it's 
It's really kind of like a, a family history book. There are some diagrams, but nothing, nothing like erotic. Just there are some human figure drawings and things, but mostly just for positions of of the body for certain tasks and 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 spells and things. Right, certain tasks. <laughs> tasks. I, I know what tasks. Uh, all right. Well, you're in this room with magical items and magical statues. We'll come back for these things. Let's let's see if we can, I don't know, maybe disarm all of these spells so we can take these without, you know, worrying about waking up statues to try to club us or whatever. All right. Should we keep heading through? Yeah, open up that south door. I lead the way. All right, here we go. As you open this door, Ornan, you see that there is a sm- even smaller room. It's 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 longer. It's like a an extra wide hallway, about fifteen feet wide, but it's twenty feet to the other end. There are pillars here in the middle of this uh, this kind of hallway room. Um, but what you really notice is that there are a couple of shields on the wall, um, and there's a door at the further south end of this room. As you walk into this room, you can see that the shields on the wall, these ones are made out of metal. They have a similar style. They're like a round shield, like the shield that the statue was holding. These ones look to have been beaten down with time and age. So rusty. Yes. Just like Joe Dirt's car. (laughs) There's another door at the end here. Should, Should we open this one too? Yeah, I say let's keep going. Let's see where this hallway ends. Yeah. Ornan, as you guys continue moving through, Ornan, you open this door into a room that is like 25 feet by 25 feet. Again, the ceiling is held up by these columns. You sense this similar architectural feature in this space. On the south wall, you can see there is another door leading out of this room. On east and western walls, you see that there are again these shields with the sun motif made out of metal, rusted and faded, and almost like the metal is brittle at this point. And in the center of the room, you see there is a round pedestal. And on that round pedestal, you see a helmet. Oh boy, we might have to grab that helmet. That does look pretty tempting. Does anyone have a bag of sand? We can try and guesstimate (laughs) the right weight. You know, it's funny, like we always talk about that one part of that famous story but we always seem to forget that it didn't work. <laughs> that's true. That is that's, true. It that's work. very true. Um, what you notice about this helmet is it is a visored helmet, but it seems to be in a style um, that's not currently popular, like a pig nose bassinet or a horn skull type of a look. Not like my salet. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're using a salet. Like the shield that the statue was holding, this helmet looks to not be affected by uh, by time the way that the shields on the walls are. Margrim, do you see any other what potentially could be magical traps here? Um, I, I guess, is anything pinging off of the toning rod? Oh, uh, you have the rod out the whole time? If it's just going constantly, then I'll just go ahead and clue you in. This helmet appears to be magical, and you detect abjuration. There is abjuration magic associated here with the helmet. I don't sense anything else. Well, that that means it's fair for the taking, right, Guy? Well, maybe we could look at the pedestal, make sure it's not on some kind of pressure plate. Again, like Ornan suggested with the bag of sand. Might you make an investigation check, somebody? Oof, not me. I can do that. I'm, I'm pretty good at investigating. I'll hold you up so you can see to the top of the uh, pedestal. <laughs> Perhaps I could assist you with this. I'm not too bad at investigation. Sick. Not that you need any help, though. <laughs> <Apparently>. <laughs> I 
Sylvie got her 25. Oh, nice. This pedestal appears very well made, very decorative. It's like a circular pedestal, and around its sides you see this sun motif again. But you don't you don't detect any kind of mechanism of any kind, no trap or anything. Um, and Magrum, with your detect magic up, you don't detect any kind of magical trap either. Cool. Clear. Okay, well, if it's clear, then I'll pick up the helmet, and I'll gently set it on Ornan's head. Oh, oh my god! Oh, here we go! Jeez! <laughs> That's messed up. Alright, we have a visor. Let's see. Clicks into place nicely. Your head looked bare. And you're always up front fighting with that big pick. So I wanted to make sure that your head was covered. Why? I didn't know you cared. Gee, that, that's rightly just the nicest thing you've done for me. Well, you're one of my best friends, Barkeep. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's gee. so sweet. You, you know, I... I'm going to make an insight check. <laughs> uh, Ornan got an 18. Gee doesn't have a lot of friend friends. Gee has a lot of people that he gets things from and that get things from him. So when he says that you're one of his best friends, that's a pretty small population. Sure, sure. Well, that's, that means so much to me, actually. I'm looking forward to working alongside you for a while. We'll see where this goes. All right. Ornan, as you were sitting there with that helmet on your head, you do not detect any, you don't feel any different as you are wearing it. Um, but you get the impression that maybe if you spent some more time with it, you might be able to kind of figure out what it does. Well, I haven't burst into flames. That's a good sign. Let's keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it turns out it is a helmet of bursting into flames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, there is a door to the south. South we go. Okay. There are so many doors. There are so many doors in this place. Yeah, it looks like there's this small little antechamber with some benches to sit on and to rest, all made out of stone. But this is a small little 15 by 15 foot room. And again, there's another door on the south side of this room. I suppose we keep going? At this point, yeah, at this point, we're far past the road. We're down into the forest on the south, I imagine. You are, yeah. You definitely, you you get that definite impression that you guys have traveled uh, a little bit south. Yes. Well, there's nothing in this room that we need. Let's just keep on. Oh, there seems to be a hallway over here. As you open the door, Ornan, you see that uh, that as the door opens, there's this wall uh, straight ahead of you. And then you can see there's a hallway that heads straight east uh, for quite some ways, 60 or 70 feet. Um, about halfway down the hallway, there is a branch that heads back up to the north about 10 feet. And then there is a door. That one is locked. Um, and then um, at the far eastern edge end of this hallway there's another door this door up here seems to be locked let's keep moving this way if i'm understanding this correctly that appears to be perhaps the other side of whatever room uh that i was on on the north side of of the building so i think we continue onward but perhaps we uh see if we can't gain access to that room in the future I am very good at cracking safes. <laughs> Doors can't be that much different. <laughs> oh, oh well, gosh. I will take your word for it. You do seem like the type that would be very good at cracking safes. <laughs> Are you going to give it a shot? When we come back. Okay. Ornan opens the door at the end of the hall. Okay, so Ornan headed down to the, the far end, the far eastern end of the hallway, and opened a door. This room is a little different. 
This room, again, is about 25 feet by 25 feet. There are columns holding up the ceiling. But in here, the walls are lined with little niches in the wall. And in the wall, you see that there are skulls and femurs and little urns and that kind of thing. Different members of this family have been interred here. I take back everything I said. Barkeep, you're going to need to put the helmet back. <laughs> no takes backsies. As you are, um, you uh, you look around the room, you can see there is a door to the north of this room. Interesting. Perhaps an ossuary? I feel like I know somebody who'd be very interested. Oh, never mind. It was from that dream we all shared, remember? <laughs> that crow person would have been very interested in on all these bones. Oh, yeah, I think you're probably right. Bubbles. Oh, oh, in, that is what you're talking about. All I could remember was being very short and very drunk and very sad. The clown in my dream was also very sad. <laughs> I, I also woke up feeling very sad, like, like a large loss had happened in my life. I don't have great insight into that bubbles, fella. He, uh, I'm, uh, my mind seems to be stuck in that skull at his hip of his, his little brother. Hmm. Well, onward then, no? <laughs> All right, well, there's a door here, too. Rest in peace, boys. Big gulps, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Ornan, you open this door on the north side, and this room is bigger. 40 feet wide and like 25 feet from north to south. There is a mosaic of the sun on the middle of the floor. Around the walls on the eastern side of the room, you see there are more of these niches with bones and urns. On the western side of the room, there is this cutout space for this statue raised up on a dais. And it is a woman sitting down with her hands on her lap. And on one of her legs, you see a crown, a tiara. And it looks like the statue is larger than you, but the crown on the lap looks like it's right about the right size for one of you. Flanking that statue on the north wall and on the south wall, you also see that there are these two warrior statues. It looks like one of them is standing uh, with a great sword point down. The other one looks to be standing with a sword pointed up and a shield at its feet. And then there's also a door heading further north out of this room. What's that toning rod telling you about those statues? The toning rod is pinging in this room uh, in three places. The warrior statue on the north and the south wall are both magical. And the crown on the statue of the woman is also magical. The crown appears to be magical, and these two statues on the side on the north and south appear to also be magical. So we don't touch these things either, okay. Well, I think it's possible that one could, but uh, something tells me that something could happen with these two other statues flanking us to the sides. Can I look at the statue closely to see if it resembles the uh, the statues of the women in the other room? Yeah, and you know what? I won't even make you make a check because you already saw it in the other room. Yes, this appears to be the same woman. So yeah, this looks like the same woman as the statues in the other room. I wonder if this is... Um where she is buried. If she was maybe the founder of a, a great house or something, and this is how her um, descendants have honored her here in this shrine. The items we've found may have been hers. Perhaps there is a patron deity to, the, uh, to this family. 
But if, if there is, I'm not familiar with who she might be. Well, the sun motif would signify potentially Iona. Iona? It's pronounced Aona. Aona. So I'm, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not very good with names. That's okay, guy. <laughs> well, it's easy if you try to pronounce it like you are perhaps from northern Michigan and you say, I own a nice truck over there, you know. I own, I own a, a cabin up in the woods. Don't you know. All right, let's head north. Let's complete the circuit, I guess. All right, let's see. What, oh, you got this one. All right. Yeah, you, I'm, I mean, nothing's nothing's exploded at us yet. So that's that's true. As you head north, you go down a short hallway and you enter into another 25 foot by 25 foot room. Again, the walls are surrounded with these niches with bones and urns, except for on the western wall, there is a short hallway that leads to another door. And when you open that door, you are back where you started. You have done one large loop. Well, seems like we need to get down to that uh, south door. Yes. And then we should loot the place silly and take all of the magical (laughs) items with us. I'm going to try a thing. I'm not sure anything's going to happen, but uh, let's see. Ornan is going to take the helmet off his head and stick it into the basket of the statue right by the door. You're going to put it on the platter. Yeah, on the platter? Yeah. So you place this on the platter being held by the angel statue. I'm going to have everybody in here make a perception check. Ornan got a nine. He got a ten. Uh, Mogram got an 18. Sylvie got a three. You guys are all looking around the room. I think you're waiting for something to jump out at you. Um, Magram is the only one looking at the tray. Magram, you see the tray shift just a little bit, like very, very little. Not like it actually moved. The arms are not solidly attached to the statue, but nothing else happens. Interesting. I felt like the arm depressed slightly. Can I go down and try to like move it down further, like manually? You push on it, it feels very, very rigid, very strong. I should say, too, that now that you have the toning rod out, you detect that there is some magic on the door as well as on the statue. Got it. So the statue is slightly magical as well as the door itself. It was interesting when you introduced the object to this statue, it seemed to move ever so slightly. Perhaps if we were to collect the other items and also bring them to this place... With all of them here, it might activate some sort of access to this door. Hmm. It's worth a shot. Maybe we should try picking the lock in the back room first before we start taking the rest of the um, magically connected items. Well, lead the way. All right, I'll head back to the back. If we're at 12 o'clock right now, the 6 o'clock area um, with the the door there, I'm going to try to pick that lock. Got it. All right, you guys move your way all the way back around to the furthest south section, back to that that long hallway and that shorter hallway heading north with the locked door at the end. Gee, you are going to attempt something. Go ahead and do what you're going to do. All right, um, Magram, hold that torch up. Give me a little bit of help seeing this locking mechanism, and I'll see if I can't unlock it. Oh, I would <laughs> be more than happy to help you with looking at that lock. <laughs> If my dog can help me pick a lock, then Magram can licking help me your pick neck. A lock. Do you need me to lick your face as well? Oh, jeez. 
I got a. I rolled with advantage. I got a five and a seven. Okay. I apologize. You... My licking of your face apparently distracted you. <laughs> As you start working on this lock, you realize this is this is out of your league. Like this lock is probably more complicated than the safe lock was. I'm sorry, everybody. I guess I guess I just do safes. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a talent in, in one place and not having it in another. Well, here we are in this strange crypt slash dungeon slash treasure vault, potentially, with our heroes attempting to get into the locked rooms, passing by magical treasures on the left and on the right. That is where we are going to stop for tonight as they scratch their heads trying to figure out what is going on in here and how they might be able to unlock the magically locked double door. Uh, we'll come back next week with a plan, guys. <laughs> <laughs> or at least a crowbar. Yes, we do have a crowbar. <laughs> there is a solution. All right, guys. Well, thank you for playing and thank you all for listening out there on the internets. Um, don't forget we have a Patreon <laughs> You can go check us out there. We have some bonus content. A series of tubes. Um, also, don't forget, we are still running our competition to see which button is the best. Um, so if you love Pine, awesome, he's winning. If you don't want it to be Pine, then go buy some other buttons. Well, no, you also buy, buy more Pine buttons too, though, because we want Pine to win. So Pine <laughs> fans unite. <laughs> anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>